Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're in a message series called Strapped. This is week two. And this whole series is about money. And most of the time when churches talk about money, people get uncomfortable, but not our church, right? We're going to be a place where when we talk about money, we get excited. And here's why. Because God talks about money. And if you'll get passionate about the things God is passionate about, you'll see the results that God sees. And so when we talk about money, we see it as an opportunity to really tap into biblical stewardship and principles. And so if you missed last weekend's message It was called From Panic to Peace. And the whole thing is sometimes when we look at our finances, we panic, right? You ever been there? You open your bank account and you're like, Lord, maybe I've been robbed, you know? (laughs) I don't know what's happened. There's some panic. But we can have peace when we trust God with what he's given us. And so we talked about tithing and we talked about offerings and we talked about how worship is giving back to God what is rightfully his. And because everything we have comes from God, when we trust him with our first, he blesses the rest. And we don't have to live panic when we can have peace, knowing that God is going to provide everything that we need. And so that was last weekend's message. If you missed that, go to our YouTube channel and you can watch that there. But today's message is called, From Scarcity to Supply. Uh, There have been times in my finances and in my life where uh, I felt like I didn't have enough. Come on, any honest people in the house willing to say with your finances, you felt like before you just did not have enough. And I was talking to a guy one time and said, look, how much more money would you need in order to feel like you were better off? And he just said, more than I have right now, (laughs) you know, come on, we've been there before. I remember uh, a couple, about a year ago at this time in our church, we uh, weren't regathered back in person. It's not because we didn't want to. It's because we couldn't afford to fix the HVAC in this facility. See, when we first moved into this facility, we knew that it had issues. We just didn't know the extent of it. And so when we moved into this building, uh, this building didn't have any heat. And so for some of you, you remember those gatherings. This auditorium was, I called it a meat chest because it was 47 degrees in the auditorium. Now there were people here, people were getting saved. It was incredible, but y'all, it was cold. It was real cold. I had to teach with those hand warmers in my shoes so I didn't get hypothermia in my toes. Like it just, I mean, it was a struggle. And then COVID happened. There's this airborne virus and we needed heat in there. We needed circulating air because I felt like if we didn't have circulating air with an airborne virus, this was going to be a CDC testing site, right? (laughs) You're going to find all kinds of stuff up in this place. And so finally, we didn't have enough. And I remember feeling like we, we did not have what we needed. And we just prayed and we fasted. And finally, God came through and supplied everything that we needed. We fixed the HVAC. We fixed it. We were able to regather as a church, and we've been seeing people meet Jesus every single weekend. God's been doing amazing things. And so I came to declare over some of you this morning that there's a transition that's going to happen in your life from scarcity to supply, but it happens first through the mindsets that we have when we look at money. And so if you have a Bible, go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, 
beginning in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. If you stop by Next Steps today as you leave, uh, there's free Bibles that are there. We'd love to place a Bible in your hand, especially if you don't have a paper Bible that you can read. We've got nice leather-bound ones that we're going to give you free of charge. And, and look, if you have a Bible that you can't read, it don't do you any good. That's right. Right? I got a lot of books in my library. I can't read half of them. You know, they, don't, they just sit there. They're paperweights. We need to get a Bible in your hands that you can read, and we'd love to bless you with that. Yeah. And so if you stop out there, they'll give you one free of charge. And if you don't have one, you can use your iPhones, your iPad, or your eyelids. It's going to show up right there. You ready? Yeah. No, 1030. I'm going to need your help this morning. Are you ready? Yeah. Come on. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and that the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. See, this woman has an incredibly big problem. She has a creditor who is coming after her. But it's not a debt that she has. It's actually the debt of her husband who has passed. Now, if you are thinking through uh, your debt to income ratio, we do need to understand that any debt we accumulate, we're going to leave to somebody. Scripture says it's irresponsible and it's ungodly to take on debt and have no intention to pay it back. This man has debt in his life, and after he passes, the debt is now the responsibility of his wife. But his wife comes to her husband's employer and says, you know my husband was faithful. You know he loved you, and he trusted you, and he took care of you. He was honoring of God. He feared the Lord, which is not a, a fear like, you know, like I'm deathly afraid of spiders. Not that kind of fear. Fear of the Lord is a holy reverence. It's a respect. It's an honor. Like he loved and trusted God. Yeah. I need you to help me. And his first response is, well, what do you want me to do about it? But then he looks at her, and he asks her a question that is so important. Because he says to her, what do you have in the house? What do you have in your house? In other words, you need to take inventory of what God's given you. Because if you don't know what you have, you'll never be able to steward what God has given you. And oftentimes, the thing you need, God has already provided. So he says to her, what do you need in the house? And when we talk about finances, I'm going to teach you some principles. Here's the first one is this. What you need is already in your house. Most of the time, here's what we think. We think all we need to be better off financially is a bigger paycheck, is a bigger income. But most of the time, what I've realized is you don't have an increase problem. You have a stewardship problem. So the prophet says, rather than trying to start a GoFundMe, (laughs) come on, rather than trying to to just raise all the money or doing a special collection uh, on Sunday morning, here's what we need to do. You need to take inventory of what you have in the house. What's in your house? And her first response is nothing. I've got nothing. 
You ever been there? It's like uh, sometimes on Sunday mornings, I go to my closet. It's not Sunday mornings. It's Saturday night. Um, I, on Saturday night, I go to my closet, and my wife goes, what you going to wear tomorrow? And what I have to do is I have to pull up the YouTube channel to figure out what I wore like the last couple weeks because I can't remember. But, but it, it, you can't wear the same thing. So I go, I open my closet, and I look, and I go, babe, I have nothing to wear. She says, you have 30 denim jackets. There's no... You have nothing to wear, right? The same is true with our finances, though. Right. We look and we go, God, well, yeah, I don't have enough. I don't have anything. Do you know that if you have a roof over your head, you are in the top 5% of wage earners in the entire world? Yeah. If you have a garage, you move to the top 1%. Now, you don't feel like you're in the top 1% wage earners in the world, but you could pat yourself on the back today as you leave, right? <laughs> The thing is, the reason why you don't feel blessed is because you haven't taken inventory of what you have. Yeah. It's, you, you're unable to be grateful of what you don't know you possess. Right. So when he asked her to take inventory, when he asked her to look at what's in her house, what he's trying to get her to see is that God performs miracles not with what you need, but he uses what you already have. Oh, yeah. And if you'll bring God what you have, he'll supply what you need. It's the same principle that we see when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And it was 5,000 men. There were about 20,000 people in total with women and children. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, all these people are hungry. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, well, then you feed them. They look back at Jesus and go, we don't have that kind of budget, right? Come on, all of our finances are wrapped up in those eternal treasures in heaven you've been talking about. We ain't got the money for that. Yeah, yeah. What does Jesus do? So the next thing the disciples do is they say, but here's what we do have. We have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, bring those to me. And as soon as the transition takes place from their hands into the hands of God, God blesses it, he multiplies it, and then distributes it back to them to do something with it. That's how finances work. Yeah. Sometimes what we have doesn't feel like enough, but when we bring God what we have, what he's given us in the house, he'll supply everything we need. Because if we're faithful with the small things, he'll do even greater things. Amen. That's what Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says. It says this, if you are faithful in the little, you will be faithful with larger in other words, many of us pray, God, increase my finances, right? Give me some more money. But you're not faithful with what he's given you now. Yeah. So maybe the reason why you haven't experienced increase is because God can't trust you with what he's already given you. Right. But if you are faithful with the little stuff, if you want a nicer car, take care of the one you got now. You want a bigger house? Take care of what you've got now. You want a better job? Take care of what you've got now. You want to be the boss one day of the company that you work for? Honor the employer that you have now. If you're faithful with little things, you will be faithful with large ones. Some of us are waiting to be faithful with finances till we win the lottery, and it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> but if you're faithful with small things, you'll be faithful with larger ones. If you're dishonest with little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Yeah. Because stewardship is just utilizing what God has already given you. Yeah. And so what some of us can do today practically is just thank God for what he's already blessed us with and what he's given us because that's an opportunity for us to trust him. But 
I want to give you something like super deep theological, like I think it's going to be a life changer for you when it comes to doing inventory of what's already in your house. If you're taking notes, here it is. Create a budget. I know it's real deep, but, but, but here's the thing. I meet so many people, and I've coached people in finances for years, and the starting place is you need to take inventory of what's in your house, and that's what a budget does. A budget allows you to understand what is coming in and what is going out. And if you ever feel like, oh, I have more going out than I have coming in, it's because you probably don't have a good understanding of what you're actually bringing in. But a budget gives you the ability to get all the numbers out onto a spreadsheet, onto some paper, so that you can see what you have coming in and what you have going out. And so budgets make such a big difference when it comes to being good stewards of the resources that God has given us. And we don't expect you. How many of you are like spreadsheet people? You love spreadsheets, right? There are not that many people because the rest of us are normal, right? And, and we don't love spreadsheets and we don't love numbers. I remember the first time I was trying to make something work in a spreadsheet and somebody was like, oh, there's a formula for that. And I was like, no. Just help make it happen, right? I don't, don't explain the formula to me. I mean, I earned every C and D I ever got in school. I ain't got, I ain't got time. But here's what we've done. We've built and designed spreadsheets for you that help you build in the budget. It does math for you. Come on, that's from the Lord, right? So we're going to send those out to you in this week's email as a church because we want to give you the resources to do what we're talking about. In this week's email, you'll get a uh, monthly budget template where you can, if you get paid monthly, you can put your income in. And it gives you the categories for tithing and saving. And it talks about your debt. And it looks at your expenses. And it gives you suggestions. It's super helpful. There's also a biweekly pay uh, template as well to help you out with that. The whole goal is that we're never going to ask you to do something that we won't resource you to do. So we're going to give you the template to create a budget, and our team has built those for you because we want to serve you in that way. You need to do inventory of what's in your house. And then once you do that, once you create a budget, the goal is that you'd start living beneath your means, that you'd create a budget, and then you'd trust God with the first and ask him to bless the rest. And when you do that, it makes such a big difference. And I'm not telling you about budgets today or anything like that because I am great at it, right? Um, my wife will tell you, I struggle with living on a budget. Come on, some of y'all. Y'all know, right? Because you're you that person. Um, but the goal is that we get disciplined enough to realize what God's entrusted us with. And then we become good stewards of it. So create a budget. We'll keep reading in the text. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse Three says this. Then he said to her, go borrow the vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And I talked about this a little bit in the first experience this morning, but I really think it's important for you and I to understand that after she finds her jar of oil, the thing that she's going to need to do the miracle that God has for her is found in the community that she surrounded herself with. We live in a world that tells you, well, you don't really need the church. It can just be you and God. And you can go out to your porch on a Sunday morning. You can sit outside. You can enjoy it. And you just, it's just you and the Lord. You don't need anybody else but Jesus. Here's the problem. That's not what Scripture teaches us. It's not biblical. 
What's biblical is that you get planted in the house of God, in God's local church, because you were made for biblical community. And the greatest tactic of the enemy is not to create truth, it's to pervert it. So he tells you all you need is Jesus. When Jesus would say, no, you need me for salvation, but you need my people for healing, for restoration, for community, for support, for help. And so Jesus places, or in the story, her need is facilitated by the community that God's placed her in. So don't underestimate the value of being planted in the local church from being in God's house, because I've watched people provide in biblical community for one another. That's what the book of Acts is, that they all supplied for each other's needs. I've watched people who needed cars in in small groups find vehicles, and I've watched people who had uh, financial needs get those covered. Why? Because you were planted in a body, and the worst time to realize you need people is when you need people. So get in community before that. So she gathers these vessels. He said, don't gather just a few, and when you have... Uh, I lost my place. There you go. And when you have, come in and you shall shut the door behind you and you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels. Set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she said, uh, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And the text says, So the oil ceased. I wanted to bring you a visual illustration today because I'm a visual learner. And so as this miracle is happening, they bring in an empty vessel and the woman is pouring oil into the jar. And once the jar is full, they move to the next jar. And as they're filling up the oil, the jars are, that were empty are becoming full, and they pour, and they pour, and they pour, and they pour. But as soon as they run out of space in the jars, the oil stops flowing. There's not, sometimes when we read this miracle, we think the miracle is in the oil. The miracle is not in the oil. It's in the empty vessel. It's not that I ran out of oil. It's that I ran out of space to put the oil in. The miracle is in the emptiness of the vessel. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The miracle is in the margin because God fills what is empty. For so many of us, the way we live our lives is what the NLT version of this passage would say, is that these jars were filled to the brim. In other words, there is no more space for anything else to go in. When that happens, the oil stops flowing. When you don't live with margin, you remove yourself from the ability for God to do more because you don't have space for him. So as long as there is an empty vessel, as long as there is margin, as long as there is space, the oil continues to flow. Things keep moving. Miracles continue happening. But the moment that there is something that is filled to the brim, there is no longer oil flowing, and the ability for the miracle to happen has ceased. It doesn't mean that the oil is gone, but that we've ran out of available space to receive the blessing that God has. And I think this is what happens in our finances. And not just our finances. This is what happens in our life. 
when you look at your schedule, it looks almost identical to this jar. It is filled to the brim. Now, part of that is because you got 17 kids and you're trying to figure out how to get them all to different sport practices <laughs> and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know how y'all do it. God is omnipresent, but some of y'all come in close. I mean, it is, <laughs> you working at it. But here's the thing, you have no margin. Yeah. And you say, so you're going, God, why don't you move in my life? When we look at miracles in the New Testament, or I remember a day when I used to encounter people at the store and I would see them at the store and you would lay something on my heart and I would be obedient to go and serve them. Why does that not happen anymore? It's because you don't have margin. Because you filled your life to the brim and God only fills what is empty. And the reality is I can't make more capacity in this jar unless I get rid of something. The beauty of margin is that we're leaving space for God to do something. And it doesn't have to be as overly complicated as we make it. Margin, for me, looks like creating 15 minutes in between my meetings. I realized about eight months ago that I had this one period. Uh, we call them meeting Mondays. And so I have a lot of meetings on Monday. And for sometimes that's great, and sometimes, whew, it's a long day, right? But on Mondays, uh, I would have these meetings for three hours in a row. They were 30-minute meetings apiece, and they were just back-to-back. So one person would leave my office, one person would come in. One person would leave, one would come in. It would be over and over. And I came to my assistants, and I said, I need some margin because there's no room. If I'm pastoring somebody and, and we go over time, I don't have the ability to do that because there's not space. If we need to continue a conversation, there's not room. So we built 15-minute buffers in between my meetings so that there was margin. It looks like showing up to an event, not on time, but 15 minutes early, right? Because you've built in margin to your schedule. We live in a world now where everybody's just trying to show up on time for stuff. Y'all got to quit doing that. Here's why you need to show up early instead of coming on time or late. One, because you miss out on the ability for God to do something with the space you've created. But two, time is the only thing you can take from somebody that they can never get back. So show up early. Be ready. Be available. The miracle is in the margin. In our finances, when it comes to us being filled to the brim, I got 10 minutes. I'm, just so we know, production, I'm going to blow that. It's, uh, it's not going to happen today, but we're going to get close. When our finances are filled to the brim, it means we spend 100% of everything that comes in. Yeah. And we go, God, why aren't you doing anything in my life? Why aren't you doing anything in my finances? Because you don't have any room for him to do anything. Right. You've overcommitted every single thing you have. So margin looks like if I can't increase the capacity of the jar that I have, I need to get rid of some stuff. So what margin looks like is you getting rid of, you've got 17,000 different subscriptions that you are subscribed to. That's how they get us. I'm just telling you, this is conspiracy theory. We quit paying for direct TV, but now we got 1,700 subscriptions at $3 a month. And we're paying more than we were back then. We just got to get rid of some of that stuff. That means you might have to get rid of that gym membership that you ain't been to in two years. But you're paying on. You need margin. 
You need to create some space. And when you create space, God will fill whatever is empty. This principle is not just something that we can apply to our finances. Jesus applies it to his life. It says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 36. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What Jesus is doing is he's creating margin. Because it's in the margin where he spends time with God that he's able to hear from God the clearest. The miracle happens when we make space for it. And so we need to make room for God to do things in our life, make room for him, which means that we need to accept the fact that we have some limitations and that we're going to have to say no to some things or not right now to some things so that we can experience all that God has for us. And then the last part of the text in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 7 says this. Then she told the man, and then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. She had all of this oil, which he says to pay it off and then live on the rest. If she'd have had more empty vessels where she had more margin, her quality of living would have been different. Don't miss that your margin now determines the quality of life you have later. But it says, go and sell the oil, pay off your debt, then live. So I'm telling you, this is incredibly theologically complex, but this is the the last point. Get out of debt so that you can enjoy God's supply. Get out of debt. I'm not an anti-debt person. I think there are types of debt that are good. There are some types of debt that are unavoidable. I don't know any of y'all that have $200,000 sitting around where you could pay a house off in cash. If you do, we should talk. (laughs) Come on, I'd be happy to take you out to lunch. But when we look at finances and we look at the things that God has given us, here's what I believe. You were never designed to live in the bondage of debt. And not only were you not designed for it, but I think the only acceptable form of slavery in America still today is debt. Because look at what Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rule over the poor. Now, we don't like that, but that's the reality. The borrower is a slave to the lender. The reason why you need to get out of debt is because God didn't design you to be a slave. And you weren't created to live your life looking over your shoulder, wondering who in the world is coming to collect next. And debt is honestly a self-control issue. Because most of the time, debt is our inability to tell us no for things we can't afford right now. So we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. It's the inability for us to be okay with the car we have right now because somebody else got a nicer car. And so we're trying to buy our way to satisfaction or fulfillment. When you get that car, you realize it wasn't enough. For some of us, we spent half our lives trying to work for, earn, and get ready to buy that house we've always dreamed of, and we got that house, and you know what we were like? You know the neighbor down the road, they just put in a new pool. We should probably put in a new pool. It's never enough. And so we go into more debt and more debt and more debt. You need to learn to tell yourself no. 
And the reason why you're telling yourself no is so that you can enjoy what God has given you. You can steward God's supply. You can enjoy the fact that you don't have to live as a slave wondering who's coming after you, trying to collect and get from you this, that, and the other. And you can simply say, I know that I have the ability to serve God with my entire life because I lived beneath my means. That's what biblical stewardship looks like. It's not an overly complicated message today. Here's what we talked about. That we were going to be people who create a budget, who live with margin, who get out of debt, and enjoy the rest. That's the goal. I know it's really practical, but sometimes it's hard to put into practice. And that's where we want to help you. We want to come alongside you and serve you in this way. Because here's what I've learned. This, this method right here is exactly what I tell people to do who feel called into full-time ministry, who are like, hey, I, want to, I want to trust God. I want to serve the local church. I want, here's what you got to do. You got to create a budget. You got to live with margin. You got to get out of debt and then enjoy the rest. For some of us, we're not ready to step into what God has because we're so tied up in captivity to where we currently are. And here's the reality. The good news is God saves us by grace. Sometimes we're just dealing with the repercussions or the consequences of mistakes we've made in our past life. So guess what? Getting out of debt helps with that. Because you'll always be a slave to your past if you don't pay it off. So get out. Get out of debt. It might mean you have to take a second job. We already talked about canceling that gym membership you don't use anyways. You might have to forego the Krispy Kreme, right? We, we know hot now means fat later. It just is what it is. So you might have to give it up. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like. But here's what I do know. If you want to live with peace, if you want to enjoy God's supply and not feel like you live in scarcity all the time, you got to do inventory of what he's given you. you got to create room for him to move, which means that if you don't currently have room, you make room. You got to get out of debt and then enjoy it. Enjoy what he's given you. What would it look like right now if all the money you had tied up in debt went to advance in God's kingdom? It'd be a game changer. Yeah. So that's what we work towards. And as we do that, we see God do more with our lives than we ever thought was possible. And when we talk about finances and debt, that's great. And you'll hear us talk about finances here at Propel. We'll talk about being anxious and overwhelmed, and it, it, tons of topics. But can I tell you, there's one reason why we gather here every single weekend, and that's to point people towards Jesus. And so in every worship gathering, every experience, you're going to have an opportunity from us to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when we talk about debt, debt for us does not start with finances. It starts with sin. Because according to scripture, it says that the wages of sin are death, meaning that there is a debt on your life and my life because of sin that has to be paid for. But our expectation, God's expectation, is not for us to pay for that debt ourselves because that debt has to be paid for through a sinless sacrifice. I don't know you that well. I just know that that ain't you, right? And it ain't me. So God loved us so much that he would send Jesus to come in, to pay the debt that we had on our life, to take our place on the cross. And as he dies for us and is resurrected, 
Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And if we come to him, if we believe in him and confess that his payment for our sins was enough to cover that debt, we will be saved. And so I can give you all the financial principles in the world. I can help you grow a great business. I can help you be a good steward of God's resources. But if you steward his resources here, but don't spend eternity with him, everything was wasted. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room for a second, if you're in here and you need to surrender your life to Christ, maybe you've walked away from God at one point, maybe you know that you don't have a relationship with him, but you know that you've never made the decision to allow the payment of Jesus to cover the debt of sin on your life. If that's you today and you wanna surrender your life to Christ, Would you just indicate that by lifting your hand for a moment and saying, hey, that's me. And if you're watching online today, you can indicate that in the chat right there. There's a button that says, I'm accepting Jesus today. I wanna give you that invitation and opportunity. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all gonna pray together. Would you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.